welcome to Free For All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Here's your host, Amanda Galbraith. Hello, hello. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day, morning, afternoon, depending where you join us from across the country. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith, and this is Free For All Friday, where we dig into some of the biggest stories of the week, the biggest debates of the week, with newsmakers, opinion leaders, and of course, some top talent from across the iHeartRadio talk network. And today we have a great panel. I was actually super excited to hear that these two fine individuals have agreed to join us again. Uh, so we have, of course, Reshmi Nair, who's the co-host of The Rush on News Talk 1010. You're listening in Toronto. We'll take place just after the show from 2 to 6. Reshmi, welcome back. Uh, thank you, you for having be a radio. Me. You want to be a radio marathoner again, eh? Five straight hours. <laughs> it was so much fun. You do the heavy lifting, so thank Ooh. you. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, my friend. And we also have Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations and former Ontario Liberal Chief of Staff. Bob, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Amanda. <laughs> we're, both, I'm, we're all very enthused because it's Friday. Um, and we've got some pretty interesting topics I want to debate today. And, of course, this first one's been making news, um, you know, for the last, I'd say, eight days, I suppose, since the Queen passed away on Thursday of last week. So it's just, it's just been over a week since uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And, obviously, countries around the world have begun to announce their plans to honour her remarkable reign. On Monday, so this Monday, more than 2,000 dignitaries from around the world will descend on Westminster Abbey to pay tribute to the monarch. Yesterday, Prime Minister Trudeau announced that Monday, September 19th, will be a federal holiday due to the funeral. We will be working with the provinces uh, and uh, the uh, territories uh, to try and see that we're aligned on this. There are still uh, a few details to be worked out, uh, but uh, uh, declaring an opportunity for Canadians to mourn uh, on Monday uh, is going to be important. So are they aligned? Well, not so much. Um, and to be fair not to the federal so. government, not so much. Uh, pro- provincial governments regulate about 85 to 90 percent of workers in Canada. So right now, federal workers get the day off. And yes, that includes passport offices, but the most of us do not. And here's what's happening across the country, with some exceptions. Newfoundland, government and schools closed. So is Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. PEI is going full hog. So full stat holiday, small business closed, or they get paid two and a half times their pay. Uh, Quebec. Premier François Legault had this to say. C'est une journée de commémoration, mais il n'y aura pas de journée fériée. Et on va continuer. Je vais continuer la campagne. Uh, so for those who keep Papa Francais, um, that was Francois Legault saying, absolutely not, there will not be a holiday, and we are going to continue campaigning, which is a surprise to no one. Ontario, uh, also no holiday. There will be a day of mourning. Um, Manitoba, government only is closed. Saskatchewan, Alberta, open. Um, British Columbia and Yukon, government and schools are closed. Northwest Territories are open. And Nunavut, government and schools are closed. So, by, how does this stack up against other places in the world? So, in the U.K., it's a bank holiday. Stores are open, but many are choosing to close their on their own. Interestingly, non-urgent medical appointments are being canceled, which is drawing fire. And the estimate cost to the uh, UK economy is 2.3 billion pounds, if we care. Australia public holiday is on Thursday, so the Prime Minister and GG can be back in time. And New Zealand, for example, is doing one in three weeks, so September 26th, they're going to have a state memorial service. Now, some folks have said we're going too far and that mourning the Queen is triggering for some communities. Uh, now, my question to the panel is, I'm going to go to you first, Bob, because I can hear you kind of chuckling there a little bit. And obviously, we, we, like, I take the mourning of the Queen seriously. I'm sad that she's gone. Um, but I do think 
candidly, my personal opinion is a national holiday is a, is a bit much. I think we should treat it like Remembrance Day, which is if people want to take an hour or two off to watch the ceremony, they should. But um, we should not shut our entire country down for this. Um, Bob, what do you think? Yeah, you and I, as usual, are pretty much in line. Look, I like the Queen. I like the fact that we had speeches in the House of Commons. We're doing a national memorial service. I like that the Prime Minister is going over with other former BMs uh, to uh, to London. I like the fact that flags are at half mask, et cetera, et cetera. We do not need a day off. And the last group of people who need a holiday in this country are federal public servants. Give me a break. So uh, the other thing is, if you're going to do these, check with the friggin' provinces first who control, as you put it, 85% of the workforce. So the other thing is, you can't just pull this out of a hat. Uh, they seem to think that they can do those sort of things in Ottawa. Small businesses and restaurants and everybody, they need uh, a lot of warning uh, for these sort of measures uh, before, the, before they happen, and that didn't happen. So it is a classic federal provincial fiasco. It's a mix across the country. Most people aren't doing it. And, mo- and, and in my view, we shouldn't be doing it. Rashmi, what's your take? Should we uh, shut her down to honor the queen? Or is the idea that the federal um, workers are getting a day off and the rest of us are largely, except for PEI, um, or some provinces, frankly, where they're closing schools. Yeah, British Columbia, right? Yeah. I mean, it's in their name, though. <laughs> what do you think? Right? I, don't, I don't blame PEI yeah. or BC. It's in their name. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Just check the calendar, though, right? And, and I'm, I'm with you both, right? And, and I would offer that that same energy where you know everything that Bob said is in the 21st century. It's respectful, but it's current. And, and that seems like the majority of Canadians. Most polling is showing that, yeah, we have some connection. We appreciate the respect, but no love for King Charles that we had for uh, the Queen. So I would just say that that same energy can be applied to that part of the story where people are going, what? People are triggered by the Queen? It, it People don't like the word triggered. I get it. Uh, but what I've learned over the last few years when we talk about um, anti-Black racism is actually around the world, every culture has some sort of racist hate towards black people it's actually like around the globe there's been some something taught and so if we need to address that now there are people in communities in canada and around the world who are black and other shades of color who don't feel like this is something to celebrate i would like to respect them in saying you know everyone can have their feelings and you shouldn't force it on anyone uh but that same energy could go towards that issue, right? That maybe not everyone's going to be mourning. And I think that's okay as well. That's the majority of Canadians, whatever the reason is. Yeah. And and Bob, that's created a bit of a dust up, at least here in Ontario, where one school board sort of said, you know, we encourage you not to do any special events or speak about the Queens and and not don't show in the classrooms because this may be, and Rashmi's right. Like I think the word triggering is a bit of a, kind of a red flag for folks um, around the roots of colonialism and around, you know, there's a lot of discussion right now about the, um, I forget the name of the, 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 the big giant diamond that was allegedly quote unquote given oh, yeah. to the British crown by the, by the Indian government. And in fact was, you know, a five-year-old was told to give it to them. So like it wasn't a gift um, and they want it back. Uh, now, what do you make of sort of how we tread that line between, I think, acknowledging what the queen has brought, which is 70 years of stability. I think a remarkable 
um, woman in, in the world through world wars and all kinds of things, while also acknowledging the role of what the monarchy has played in colonialism in, you know, all kinds of scandals and, well, and death and, and, and things like that. I, I'd like to know what's in the water at the York Region Board of Education, because <laughs> they seem to, on a regular basis, come up with some of the dumbest statements. Uh, and this is another example of absolute woke stupidity uh, on their part. It takes a lot for me to agree with the Minister of uh, Education, whose party I do not vote for. Uh, and I completely agreed with his assessment on this. Of course, we should be t teaching uh, uh, about the Queen, her life and her passing. And by the way, warts and all, uh, things that have gone well, things that haven't gone well. That, that's, the purpose, that's the purpose of education. And that's the purpose of uh, being able to talk about a situation like that. But it just seems to be from that particular school board, a constant every three or four months, there's some new act of stupidity that comes up that then they invariably walk back within 12 hours and are, and are like spinning, uh, spinning their wheels. Yeah, I don't and think Bob's they're going to be firing on all cylinders this morning. So <laughs> yeah, really, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be uh, walking back on this one. Even though the Ontario Education Minister Stephen Lecce has ordered them uh, to at least recognize the profound impact of Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, sure, but I mean, the students in the class don't have to feel sad or mourn the Queen, and I think that's which the is message. cool. Yeah, that's the message which from York cool. Region is. So, so, you know, the teachers don't have to tell the whole classroom, hey, bow your heads down and pray for the queen now, or let's have a moment of silence for the queen. And if a couple of students aren't acknowledging that moment of silence, they're not going to get in trouble for it. It's not something that needs to be enforced. And I would point out, just, gotta, just look at the demographic of the York region, and you'll understand. We're running out of racetrack there, Rashmi. So maybe I'll, you can finish your thought after the break. Um, next up, we're going to get into Pierre Pauly as one week as leader and what the panel thinks he's done so far. This is Free For All Fridays with host Amanda Galbraith on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm Amanda Galbraith, host of Free For All Friday, where we talk about some of the biggest stories of the week and, of course, debate them with an all-star panel. Today we have Rush Nair, co-host of The Rush on News Talk 1010 in Toronto from 2 to 6 Monday to Friday, and Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations and a former Ontario Liberal Chief of Staff. As I mentioned before the break, break, <laughs> break there, Pierre Polyev won an astonishingly resounding victory on Saturday night, and it was a big one, cleaning up 330 of 338 ridings across the country. It's Pierre's party now, and we're all just living in it. Uh, I listened to his first speech uh, live on our sister station, CP24, and I thought it was a good speech. I thought he spoke well and kind of showed, I think, some of the chops will make him an interesting uh, leader to see sort of line up against the prime minister. In his first speech, he talked about tackling cost of living concerns and high inflation. Tonight begins the journey to replace an old government that costs you more and delivers you less with a new government that puts you first, your paycheck, your retirement, your home, your country. So you can sort of hear the joy in his voice there and I think the excitement uh, in that speech. He also called for people who backed other candidates to rally behind him and move the party forward. To supporters of all of these fine candidates, I open my arms to you. Now, today, we are one party serving one country. 
And I will say, of course, that came after he spent, I think, considerable time on each of the different candidates, sort of, which is typical, right? After a leader wins, they say nice things about them all. Well, talking to caucus on Monday morning, though, Pierre, I think, took the knives out a little harder and addressed the prime minister in what he called the radical woke coalition with the NDP. Here's my commitment. We as conservatives are always happy to work with any party to collaborate and extend and advance the interests of Canadians. We are. But there will be no compromise on this point. Conservatives will not support any new tax increases, and we will fight tooth and nail to stop the coalition from introducing any. Now, it wasn't all roses for the new leader, obviously, this week. On Tuesday, he got into a bizarre dust-up with Global News reporter David Aiken. Um, now, what happened was Pierre Polyev was going to speak. His, his team or his staff had told the journalists gathering that he would not take any questions, which uh, apparently irritated um, Mr. Aiken in particular. And here's a clip uh, that of, of Aiken kind of going at Pierre uh, during as he's trying to deliver his remarks. The reason that... The, look... <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, we, we have, we, we have uh, basically a, a liberal heckler who snuck in here today to, well, right. are you going to let me make my misstatement? So in the end of the day, um, Aiken did end up publicly apologizing and saying he shouldn't have interrupted uh, Pierre Polyev as he began to speak. Um, we have not heard a similar sort of apology from Pierre Polyev accusing David Aiken of being a liberal hacker, which I think all of us would agree he is not. Um, the party also had to apologize this week after they kicked off uh, a wave of harassment against a Quebec MP who quit caucus. He was a supporter of Jean Charest. So I'd say all in all, uh, you know, a good start to the week. And then it sort of kind of faded a little bit into a, a tough a tough time for Pierre Polyev, or certainly some more controversy. Um, Bob, you know, you've advised political staffers. How do you think the or for political um, politicians, I should say, been a political staffer. How do you think the first week went for Pierre Polyev? Look, that leadership win is the new gold standard for any party. The guy took 70% of the vote, 70% of his caucus. He raised, I think, six million bucks, signed up 300,000 people. You cannot deny that that is not uh, that is literally uh, an amazing per- performance. So kudos to him and his uh, uh, team, uh, particularly led by uh, a friend of ours, Jenny Byrne, who did a terrific mm-hmm. job. Full marks uh, to him for all that. But what these guys need to do now is put their flamethrowers away. Uh, like the comments <laughs> to David Aiken were way over the top. The problem is they're talking to each other and they're talking still internally. They haven't moved to their external audience. David Aiken is not a liberal. Just ask any liberal. Just ask any journalist. Kurt Lapointe, who used to be his editor, actually said in three different jobs at CTV, and I know at Southern, burst out laughing when he heard David Aiken described as, uh, as, uh, as a liberal. Um, so that was kind of an inappropriate shot. The other thing is, I can't think of a new leader of a party who calls a press conference the day after they become the leader and refuses to take questions ever in my adult lifetime. I think that's just highly inappropriate and, uh, and frankly good on David Aiken for calling him out. He probably got a, a little carried away and he probably should have apologized, but uh, he's, not, he's not technically wrong doing what, uh, uh, what he was doing. On the issue in Quebec, he took what was a minor uh, issue of somebody leaving his caucus, and that happens after leaderships, um, and turned it into a big issue in the province of Quebec. 
and has turned the local MP there into a bit of a Quebec hero now, uh, which uh, which wasn't required. Again, they're using a flame flamethrower when they could use a BB gun. Uh, and uh, these guys, have, I think, is going to be one of their biggest problems is they just immediately pull the trigger on stuff and they don't think enough. And uh, they're wearing it in the province of Quebec and they didn't necessarily have to. Rashmi, what do you make of Pierre Polyev's first week? Yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting to just follow that exchange between uh, Poiliev and, and David Aiken. What concerned me more after that fallout was just that uh, the fundraising email that went out that is just way too similar to America 2015, just saying the media is the enemy and I need your money to help fight this media. And I just don't agree with that. Uh, Pierre Poiliev winning as as much as he did is a message to me from the Conservative Party just saying that publicly, they need to appear united. They weren't with Aaron O'Toole. They weren't with Andrew Scheer. How could you take on the liberals with Justin Trudeau if you are not united behind the leader that you elect? So I'm pretty sure after Patrick Brown was out, Josh Charest wasn't really on the radar at all, that the party itself said to every member, look, we need a strong turnout for Pierre Poilievre just for that uh, public stage. Hey, the next election is, it's for the conservatives to lose, right? Just historically, we will have 10 years of the Trudeau liberals if we are looking at an election in 2025. If Pierre Poiliev doesn't win it, it will be surprising and stunning, I think, just because historically, I don't think we're going to see a fourth term Trudeau liberal government. Yeah, I think it would be I'd be highly I agree with you completely. It'd be highly unusual um, for a fourth term uh, liberal government here. And I also think just kind of the patina that's on. The liberal government, even the way they are communicating in response to some of the advance of the poly of win, to me, just strikes me as just rusty and not quite sharp enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I really agree with Bob's point around the flame floor thing. And, I, you know, I'm the kind of person I like throwing a roundhouse punch. Like, I like a good fight. Um, I One of the reasons I, I, I thought Pierre would be a good leader for the party is that he, you know, he has the kind of the chops to stand up. And, and I think, you know, they're not afraid to fight back. And they were aggressive in the leadership campaign and candidly that appealed to me um as a cons I don't know, as a conservative uh but i think you know there are times where you do not need to make the story any bigger and i think the quebec mp is a great example of that right you're distracting from the fact that frankly the government's on the ropes on inflation and we're going to talk about their sort of plan quote unquote in the next segment and whether or not that's going to do what it says it's supposed to do but i think there's lots of space for them to uh to do better. So, Bob, if you had any predictions in the next week, do you think Pierre Polyev is going to take about 30 seconds? Do you, do you think he's going to take questions from reporters um, coming soon after after the, this bit of a snafu? Well, I think he should. Um, I, I know uh, I know they don't want to and they're, they want to control the message and they want to go to other sources. But I think the reality of Parliament Hill is day in, day out. It's difficult not to do that. So I, I think they uh, they may adjust and uh, end up having to take a small number of them every day. But, but he doesn't have to either, right? He just doesn't have to. And when you look at Trudeau, he doesn't even answer the question anyway. So he doesn't have he to. He also only takes four, which by yeah. people don't realize that. Like Harper actually took more. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and it's like, the same answer four times, which yeah, is nothing. It's, it's, so it is it's yeah. silly. Yeah. Go ahead, rush me. I got 10 seconds for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I just I, I, I as a person in the media, just worry about the importance of journalists asking questions at this point. Uh, politicians have social media. And when they are asked a question by a journalist, they don't have to answer it. It's it's hard to hold them accountable. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think the PM is, is at your point, he gives the same answer every time. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he's held accountable. The other thing I would say is Pierre Polyev is more than equipped to answer reporters' questions. Like, he's very intelligent, so he can handle it. Uh, as mentioned, next up, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau unveiled details of his plan to try and take the sting of inflation. Find out what the panel thinks next on Free For All Friday. I'm The free-for-all Friday roundtable continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. This is free-for-all Friday where we dig into some of the biggest stories of the week. And we've been doing that so far on the last half an hour with two amazing panelists and thinkers in this country. Rashmi Nair, co-host of The Rush on News Talk 1010, Monday to Friday from 2 to 6, and Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations and a former Ontario Liberal Chief of Staff. On So on Tuesday, the federal government announced measures aimed at addressing the, co- the rising cost of living. Prime Minister Trudeau announced the government is doubling the GST credit for the next six months. This will provide hundreds of dollars of support to Canadians, including half of all families and more than half of all seniors in the country. For example, parents with two kids could receive up to an extra $467 this fall to help with the cost of living. He also announced that the government is moving forward on dental care, something the NDP has said is conditional on their ongoing support for the government. They're creating a Canadian or Canada dental benefit, which will give families with kids under 12 who do not have access to dental insurance $650 per year. This is the first step outlined in the Supply and Confidence Agreement to develop a national dental care program. We aim to have that program started for those under 18 persons with disabilities and seniors by the end of 2023, with the full program completed by 2025. And finally, the federal government will also provide a one-time $500 top-up to the Canada Housing Benefit Program. This federal top-up would reach hundreds of thousands more low-income renters with around 1.8 million Canadians eligible for it. So it all sounds good, right? But how much is this going to cost you? Well, GST rebate for low-income earners. It's another $2.5 billion. Top-up for housing benefits for renters, $700 million in additional spending. And the dental plan is currently estimated at $938 million, so just short of a billion. Now the question is, the government's spending lots of money. There's lots of there's inflation happening. Will this make inflation worse? Not so, says the Prime Minister. These specific measures is targeting those most vulnerable, those who are most hard hit by uh, the increases in inflation. These are things that will make a difference in people's lives right now, but they are also sufficiently targeted that we are confident that they will not contribute uh, to increased inflation. But you know who's not confident that they won't increase, <laughs> increase inflation? Three of the country's largest commercial lenders, the CIBC, BMO, and Scotiabank, have all released reports expressing concerns over additional spending. Scotiabank doubled down on this on Tuesday, which is unusual, with this quote, any belief that this will ease inflationary pressures must have studied different economic textbooks. Ouch. Unsurprisingly, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev also didn't hold back his criticism. You see, the problem with spending more money as a solution to inflation is that it simply pours more gasoline on the inflationary fire. And that is exactly what Justin Trudeau continues to do. So for my panel today, I we're none of us are economists, but I'm 
relying on some evidence from some of them. Um, Bob, do you first smart politics or smart policy or both? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, number one, uh, before our genius friends at the banks um, uh, 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 get to rule us on everything, I'm glad we have politicians and other people making these decisions because uh, most of us would be living in caves if we followed all their uh, rules over the last <laughs> few years. Um, so let's just take a look at the performance of this federal government since we are talking about uh, uh facts uh, as it relates to the economy. One on growth, it has the highest growth in the G7 right now. On jobs, it's got the lowest unemployment rate since the 70s. On debt to GDP ratio, it has the lowest uh, rate going down of any of the G7 countries, which, as you know, includes Germany, Italy, Britain, and others. Uh, on inflation, we're at worst middle of the pack. And, uh, and with the rate increases, it's starting to come down. So the overall picture we find ourselves in, it's difficult, uh, but it's difficult across the globe. But in comparison to our major competitors and allies, we're, we're doing pretty well. Thank you very much. Will a $4 billion program on dental care, uh, dental care tax credits uh, and, and, uh, and some uh, help on, uh, on the housing front housing. Uh, derail yeah, derail the economy. I do not believe that it will. I do not believe that it will have that major an impact. I think it'll have an, an impact with those that uh, it can help, but I can't see it derailing the economy in a major way. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll let our friends on the 68th floor of the uh, Bank of Montreal building in their, in their gold glittering uh, boardroom worry about that. Uh, but uh, I think the prime minister's done the right thing. And Rajmi, it's interesting that Bob says that because, you know, if you look at other major economies, um, this is actually the first kind of time the prime minister's really waded in and said, I'm going to spend, you know, I'm going to do a bunch of programs or spending in order to kind of ease inflation. Like he's he's actually resisted a little longer than some of our some other countries. And the reason I actually wanted to give like the him the opportunity with all those clips in the front was to kind of balance out this discussion a little bit um, with the back end. But curious to your thoughts. Do you think this is smart policy, smart politics or a combination of both? Yeah, I, I think that it is in response to those surveys that we've seen this year, which is one in four Canadians feel that they would have to sell their home. Uh, in the next few months, uh, one in four Canadians can't put food on the table. So when you double the GST for uh, a family's adjusted net income under 70000 you're going to get 650 per child. I really do believe that that money is going to keeping the roof over their head. And I do think that that is the same, uh, especially with the housing credit as well. It's making sure that people aren't going to lose their homes because if, if you start, if you get to that point, you're likely going to lose your job as well if you're home stability is is disrupted, right? And then you're relocating. So if we're trying to save the most vulnerable over the next five or six months, uh, this seems like, as the prime minister said, it's targeted. But I do understand what economists are saying. Any cent we spend is going to add to the problem that we're trying to avoid. I don't know if we can avoid a, a recession, but I don't know what Pierre Poiliev would offer either. Like, is he going to fund dental care with cryptocurrency? Is that where we're going? Because I do believe in that dental care offer. It, it is very important. Um, the, the lowest income families do not prioritize dental. And this has a benefit. We'll encourage them to do so for their children. And that'll keep people out of our healthcare system, right? Not, not having to see the doctor if you can keep your teeth clean. 
that seems to be a long-term solution, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think, to, to my mind, what this look like is a bit, I think it's smart politics for sure, because I think he can't just kind of stand by and, and you know, watch, you know, numbers tick up, as you say, around affordability. People are going to food banks, like, and those are all his, like, candidly, those are more likely to be his voters than the conservative. Although Pierre Polyev's made a very interesting appeal to people across the country around some of, kind of that, that lunch bucket crowd or the, the more blue collar crowd uh, who may or may not be influenced by this. So I think one, it was, it's, a, it's also a defensive measure against um, Polyev as he comes at him about high taxes, about inflation, about inflationary spending over the last um, few years, which they've, they've argued, you know, continues to kind of pour gasoline on the fire. Um, even the carbon tax incoming, right? I think they're going to go super hard on the government about that, uh, which will be an interesting fight to watch. Um, so it'll be it's 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 kind of an interesting political conundrum because I, I I do believe like purely policy wise probably not the best policy but as far as the politics of it I don't know if a conservative government was in place if they would make a different decision like if Harper would have made a different decision around this I mean they wouldn't be forced into a dental plan um, yeah. but it will be certainly interesting to see how they how they manage this and I think how the two of them kind of come up into your point Rashmi what what what's the difference that that the conservatives are going to propose because right now if you hear them it's just low taxes low taxes um you know this isn't right yeah. and, and their opposition they don't have to but um and i i i think the i think the federal government has got to up its communications game um the stats that i went through are actually relatively impressive you never hear that um and in actual fact when they're saying oh you know it's trudeau that caused the inflation well, in actual fact, if you uh, if you compare it to other countries, we've done pretty well, thank you very much. But they're not they're not defending themselves that way, and they seem to be uh, they're they're not being aggressive enough. There's a new sheriff in town on the conservative side, and I think they're going to have to up their communications game. I would uh, I would 100 percent agree with you on that. I think the the stuff to date has not worked. I think even the attacks on Pierre Polyev have not been sharp enough. Um, so we will see how they face off. But it'll be interesting to watch. So weddings are usually, you know, fancy event spaces, wineries, that kind of thing. But this Canadian couple threw that all off the window for an iconic location that I think is straight up bizarre. Find out where after the break on Free For All Friday. You're listening to Free For All Fridays with host Amanda Galbraith on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. This is Free For All Friday, where we dig into some of the biggest stories of the week and the big debatables with a panel of awesome guests. This week, we have Rashmi Nair, co-host of The Rush on News Talk 1010, which airs from 2 to 6 Monday to Friday, and Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations and a former Ontario Liberal Chief of Staff. Now, this next story is bananas. It is bananas, and I really wanted the panel to debate it this week. <laughs> now, Disney released their trailer for the live-action version of The Little Mermaid. The lead actress is an incredibly talented young woman named Halle Bailey. Not to be confused with Halle Berry, by the way. Halle Bailey. Um, in the oh. original... Yeah. <laughs> so every time I say it, I'm like, she's not Harry Belly Berry. It's Helly Bailey. Uh, she's a beautiful young woman. She's 22. Uh, you know, you see her in this. She's unveiled in this trailer. But unlike the original version, Hallie is black, right? So the original version of this produced in 1989 was uh, Little Mermaid was famous redhead. Um, now, there's been lots of positivity around her taking on the role, including parents 
posting videos of snippets where um, their daughters are reacting or their kids are reacting to the fact that she's a she's a she's a black woman. So listen to this. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? I, mean, I get emotional now, but I just think it's so she's like me, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is amazing. Um, you know, this kind of representation is so important. And young black girls seeing a black heroine is, is, is incredible, right? But of course, we have to take all that positivity and the universe continues to demonstrate how racist it is. Uh, an AI scientist has since fixed the trailer by re- replacing Hallie with a white woman. He also later claimed in his tweet, it wasn't racist at all that he did that. YouTube had to disable the dislike button on the trailer because it reached 1.5 million dislikes. Mm -hmm. I have no questions about this, candidly. I just, what on earth is wrong with people? (laughs) Rashmi, I'm going to go to you first, Rashmi, because I'm guessing you have a perspective on this. But literally, I'm just like, what the H is all I have to say about about people. Um, What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting when people say, no, I'm just being traditional. I'm not being racist. Well, mermaids aren't real. So what is the tradition, right? (laughs) Um, I also saw another meme where someone put Ariel in a hijab if you really want to stir things up. So I don't know. Ariel is is seeming to be a bit disruptive, but it's just how people um, interpret things, right? Just make space for a black mermaid. You don't have to hit the dislike button. If you want to watch Ariel with a lighter shade of skin, it exists, right? Don't I, I wouldn't poo-poo on someone else's parade here. Uh, but I mean, this is coming from a girl who grew up in Toronto and was so happy to see Monica Diol on Electric Circus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it does make a difference. It's it, it it's it's great to hear those little girls. It makes a difference just psychologically in in the eyes and the minds of the people who see it who can relate. If you can't relate, I respect that. That's how I feel when I watch any athletic sport. Nobody looks like me anywhere. So I'm not watching baseball and saying, oh, nobody looks like me. This needs to change. That's not what progressive people do. But in those moments where you do see someone, you're like, ah, that's great. And I would like allyship in this, right? We should all be saying, this is great. Yeah. It, like, it is great. And I think your point about there, there's already like a white little mermaid. We can have a black little mermaid and maybe we can have a brown, like, and also mermaids aren't real. So like, why are people freaking out? Um, Bob, what do you make of, I, and candidly when Sam, like the producer Sam brought this up to me, I was like, why are people mad at the little mermaid? It's a great thing. I think this will be good. Like, I know sometimes the live action ones look weird. Like I didn't watch the Dumbo movie. But, um, Bob, what do you make of this this debate, I guess? Like, uh, you know, other than Rushmore's great all... quote, Mermaids aren't real, which I agree with. <laughs> I find it almost exhausting. Where do we find these people is sort of the, my first reaction to this. I think it's fantastic. I think uh, we need to see more of this. Uh, let's go. Um, you know, we need to uh, reflect uh, the reality of who we are today. Uh, a few years ago, I sat on the board of Seneca College. And I remember sitting on the stage, we were handing out uh, degrees to people, and 50% of the graduates were non-white. That is who we are today in the city of Toronto. And, and that is where, you know, that is where we're headed. Uh, that, is, that is where we're at. But uh, it's a huge growing population. So I think it should be reflective in, uh, uh, throughout uh, everything that we do in media and communications. And mermaids are just another category that need to be updated like everybody else. <laughs> All right. Here, here. I, I agree resoundingly. So good for Little Mermaid. Good for Hallie. 
Bailey, not Barry. And shame on these idiots who I just anyway shame on them. But hopefully, to Reshmi's point, more allyship on this thing. We should celebrate <laughs> um, this this thing. I will be watching it just in solidarity. Uh, this next one I wanted to get to the panel on because I think it's kind of funny. My boss, uh, Navigator, always says there's a lid for every pot. Well, this Toronto couple certainly took that to heart with their wedding venue. Um, they hosted it in what they called an iconic location, a Cinnabon. That's right, a Cinnabon, which I remember very fondly as a teenager when I would go to the mall um, in, in some place called the Dufferin Mall in the Toronto area. But they, they went there. They used a photo booth as their photographer. The bride wore white overalls. They ate a Cinnabon. Uh, in front of a crowd, and then they bought a second one for their f- to to frozen and to be eaten later at their first anniversary. Um, so, hey, you rush me. Would you know taking this one good for them? You know, to get lit for every pot. If this is what they wanted to do. But second, um, I guess if you had to get married at an unusual location, like where would it be? Would you be willing to do a Cinnabon or some other unusual spot? I'm thinking Cinnabon. I think it's a great idea, man. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I, I think they are going to last, too. If they both love Cinnabon, that is a lasting relationship there. And and why not? But also, I like that they're shedding light on Cinnabon in malls because that was the thing that we did when we were kids. And yeah. it's driving me to want to go and visit a Cinnabon again. I know you're pregnant, Amanda. The last time I had a Cinnabon, I was very pregnant. I waddled myself onto the subway train <laughs> on the Young Line to intentionally eat a Cinnabon. And I bought another one. And I sat on a chair in the subway station and rested it on my pregnant belly and ate it with a fork and knife. No shame. No shame. So if I can find a husband to do that with me, that's great. <laughs> Amazing. There we go. Here, here, Bob. I, I, say, I say let's wrap this show up. I've already called the Uber to head to the Dufferin Mall. I want to go. I, I want... I want to head to the Cinnabon. As soon as I read that, I was like, mm, that sounds great. Uh, where would I get married? I was thinking where you could get married is the, there's a uh, Chinese restaurant in the beaches called The Goof. Uh, oh, yeah. It, 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 was, it, was, it was called Good Food, but some of the lights got uh, burned out and it spelled out <laughs> Goof. So uh, I think The Goof could be one because there's, what, a 50% chance that it may not work. And then if it doesn't work, you can just go, I goofed. <laughs> oh that's such a cute i love the dad joke bob to take us into friday that is perfect it's a total dad joke uh, perfect you goofed all right rashmi's team cinnabon i fondly remember uh being a like a teenager and walking by the cinnabon it was like it's like eight bucks for one of them or something yeah. or six bucks and yeah it was so expensive but it was so delicious yeah you uh, shared it with all and- your friends right yeah, 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 you can split it together. <laughs> anyway, um, don't know if I'd be getting married there. I mean, I, I was trying to think of an unusual location, and I'm maybe the aquarium, but I don't know if that's that unusual. Anyway, um, well, thank you so much to Bob and Reshmi uh, for the amazing debate, uh, for the dad jokes, and for all the quotable quotes, including <laughs> the goof and mermaids are not real. Here, here for that. Uh, thank you so much to Nick, technical producer. He's been back this week, and we love him and miss him deeply when he's gone. And Sam, who puts the show t- together and i've been singing that song the whole time on the break so nick's been hearing it so there you go i will not do it for all of you i'm amanda galbraith host of free for all friday and i will see you next friday